Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. And, uh, so glad that you're here uh, this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 13 is where we're going to uh, find ourselves this morning. You know, think about air conditioning and how thankful we all are for it, especially living here in the south in the summertime. And, um, you know, back... Uh, you know, even 60 years ago, most places didn't have air conditioning. And, uh, you know, I wonder now, and probably you do too, some of you that even lived through it without it. I don't know how on earth we did without air conditioning, but you just managed, you didn't know any better. Uh, but it, it does say it's getting hotter and hotter, and uh, I'm, I know I'm ready for fall to get here. You, you all probably are too. Uh, but, you know, the world has changed a lot, even in in the last 20 years. Uh, there are a lot of things different. Uh, you know, I saw a uh, little meme on uh, Facebook that made me kind of chuckle about uh, the old cartoon, The Jetsons. Uh, now, the little kids don't remember, the, they don't know nothing about The Jetsons, bless their heart, poor things. Uh, they, they, they need to maybe go on YouTube and show your children, your grandchildren, The Jetsons. Uh, but you remember on The Jetsons, that old uh, cartoon show in the 70s and 80s, uh, you perhaps watch it, you know, they had uh, FaceTime. You'd call people on their watches. And uh, they had uh, Zoom uh, meetings. They had Teladoc back then. Uh, about the only thing that the Jetsons did that we don't have are flying cars. Uh, but a lot of the other things, my goodness, we have. And you think about how unrealistic those things were uh, when that cartoon came out, and uh, now here, a lot of those things are the way that they are. Were the you know these cartoon people able to see the future? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, it just it was their imagination. Uh, but perhaps their imagination sparked some young people that became adults and had pretty smart brains and said, "You know what? I saw this thing on the Jetsons. I bet I can build it." And they did. Uh, and so it's just interesting how times have changed. Uh, but in some ways, it hasn't. Um, and what we're going to talk about today, Jesus uh, addresses a, an important issue in chapter 13. Remember, it is the last week of his life. Uh, and in fact, these, this was probably said to his disciples in among the last days of his life. On uh, maybe Wednesday or uh, even early Thursday, um, they had Roving the businesses out of the temple court. Uh, and that still is the area that this next chapter takes place. Uh, and Jesus gives his disciples a very important lesson. And remember, they understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, they understood that he was who he claimed to be, that he was God. They didn't fully get it, but they were beginning to more and more get it. Uh, it wouldn't be until the Holy Spirit came on them after uh, the, Jesus went back to heaven that they finally got it much better because the Holy Spirit helped them. But they were seeing that, yes, there's something different about Jesus. And so they asked him some questions uh, here in, in chapter 13 that's also recorded in Matthew and Luke. Um, and so it's interesting. And let's take a look, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read this whole chapter. 
Uh, Verse 1 says, Then as he went out to the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will all these things be? be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and he will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. Uh, These are the beginning of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. For whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not uh, you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and father is child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not to uh, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter in to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not uh, been seen since the beginning of creation which God created unto this time, nor shall ever be. And unless the Lord had shortened uh, those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or look, here he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders and deceive people, uh, deceive if possible even the elect. But take heed, see, uh, I have uh, told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars in heaven will fall, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of the heaven. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know summer is near. So you also, when you see the things happening, know that it is near at the doors. 
Uh, Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So what a, a, a great reminder and uh, a lot packed in to these 37 uh, verses. And the disciples, like most of the things Jesus said, didn't get it at the time. Because they knew and were recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah, but he, like most of the Jews, was expecting the Messiah to come as this military ruler that was going to overthrow the Romans and restore uh, you know, uh, Israel to its place of political prominence. And that's not at all how Jesus came or what he intended to do. They, they began and they said, Jesus, you see all these great buildings? He said, you will... When you come in your kingdom, all this will be yours, and you'll rule over it. So, man, we've got some good stuff. This temple, the building is magnificent. But look at these other structures around it. We've built some amazing things. And Jesus said the time is going to come when not one stone of these buildings that you think is so great is going to be left standing on another stone. In other words, it's all going to be obliterated. It's going to be flattened. It's not going to be anymore. There's a lot of different ideas or philosophies that uh, concerning the end times, especially, you know, things like here in Mark chapter 13 and, uh, you know, some of the things that Jesus says in the other gospels and especially the book of Revelation. Um, And my purpose this morning in the few minutes we have together is not try to hash out uh, those different ideas, but I want us, in the time we have this morning, to discover and to realize three important truths uh, that we find in this chapter that we need to realize today because uh, whether you think it or not, the day is coming that Jesus is coming back. And it's closer today than it was a century ago, and it's closer today than when Jesus walked the earth or when uh, Paul wrote much of the Old Testament, or New Testament, rather. It's closer today than it's ever been. And we see things that it talks about that seem to indicate that the end of the world is near. But before we get to the three truths, I want us to understand it's not something we as God's children need to be afraid of. And it's not something we need to fret about. Because there's nothing we can do about it. But it's all working in the plan of God. Just like when Jesus went to the cross. That was God's plan. The priests thought they were doing themselves a favor. But ultimately they were doing God and us who received salvation a favor. By leading Jesus to shed his innocent sinless blood for the sin debt of all the world. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 
And so let's look this morning at these three important truths. And the first one is this. Jesus is coming back. We start with the truth at the end uh, of the, the passage, uh, but we're starting it uh, because it's the most important truth. Jesus understands and he knows that in just a couple days, he's going to be betrayed by one of these ones that's standing right here with him now and asking about when the end is coming. Speaking of Peter, he knows that already. And so he says to them, you know what, it's not, but he hasn't gone, but he's talking here about his second coming. And just as sure as he came the first time, he's coming again. So he says, listen, I am coming back. Make no mistake about it. He said, nobody knows the day or the hour. Not even I know the day or the hour, he says. Not the angels in heaven. No one except the Father knows the day or the hour but know that I am coming back. And so he says, be ready. Be making preparations. Be busy about uh, getting ready for that day that you won't be caught by surprise. So Jesus expects us as his people to live with the expectation he's coming back. Because the reality is that you're going to stand before him one day Either you're going to die, your, your life here on this earth is going to end, and they'll put your body in the ground, but that's not the end of you. Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we understand that we are not made for this world, we're made ultimately for eternity. And eternity is much longer than the few years that we are blessed with here on earth. So we'll stand before Jesus maybe because we, we've died and we stand before him. Or maybe he comes back and we meet him then. But rest assured, every human being on planet earth is going to stand before God and uh, Jesus Christ our Lord and give an account. Paul says for the good and the bad. Now, that account that Paul mentions is not what gets us to heaven. The only ticket and the only thing that gets us into heaven is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receiving that wonderful gift that puts our name in the Lamb's book of life. And praise God, our uh, name in the Lamb's book of life is not put there by our good deeds or our deservedness or how much money we've given or the things that we've done. Why, the only thing that merits it being there it's Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary and shedding his innocent blood and you and me and the whosoevers of the world wonderfully receiving that free gift. And that is a wonderful thing. But understand this truth that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you won't have an opportunity anymore to make decisions. And so Jesus gives us the instruction be ready. Be prepared. Be doing the things that you know because I am coming back and nobody knows the day uh, or the hour. 
And so if people come and, and listen, throughout human history, you know, especially, in, you know, there's a guy, uh, 80 Re- wrote a book, 80 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1980. A lot of people bought that nonsense. And guess what? 1980 came and went. And so he came and said, you know what? I made some miscalculations. And so he wrote another book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Coming Back in 1988. Listen, if anybody, whether it's a preacher, anybody, tells you, listen, God told me the day and the hour he's coming back, you shut your ears up and don't pay him no attention. Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour. Though there's many that come uh, as false prophets and false Christs, uh, claiming to be the Messiah that really are not. So we have to understand, and, and God expects us to live differently. That's why God's children are supposed to be different than this world. You're supposed to behave differently and do different things than this world does because you are not of this world. You're of God's world. And in this world, you're only passing through. And so Jesus is trying to get these four to understand because you are not made for this world and because your citizenship is not here, it's in eternity, live like that. And he's not talking about you know, working hard and saving and you know, preparing for things. He's not saying don't do any of that. But what he's saying is you keep things in perspective. And know that, hey, this plan in this world is spinning. God's got it all under control. You don't have to worry about it. Just trust him. So the truth that we have to realize and understand and let impact our life is this first truth that Jesus is coming back. And then the second truth is this that there will be things that have to take place before Jesus does come back. So we know, and and I hope you realize that, that Jesus is coming back. But there's things that have to take place. I want to mention just a few things to you. One thing that he says must happen is there'll be a great number of disasters and tragedies. Uh, If you've read the news or been awake at all, you know there are many areas of our world that are at war. We don't, there's many natural disasters around our world, droughts, wildfires in Hawaii, a hurricane fixing to smack up California, tornadoes that ripped through Mississippi and Alabama just a couple months ago. And so we do see that there's numbers increasing, and why some will blame it on uh, global warming, some on this and some on that. The reality, it is happening more. Why? Because the day is approaching. Jesus said that these things would take place, and that they had to take place in order for him to come. Now, I know they've been preaching Jesus coming back for ages, and in fact, the book of 2 Thessalonians, the whole point of that, because the church at Thessalonica was thinking they'd been left behind, that Jesus had already come. And so Paul, the 2 Thessalonians is basically Paul writing to this church saying, listen, 
The Lord hadn't come yet. If he had, we wouldn't be here. So don't listen to false teachers. Listen to true teachers. Know the truth. And that's why it's important we know God's word. We don't just take the preacher's word for it. We look at it and, you know, as a preacher, I will never knowingly say anything that's wrong, but I do occasionally slip up. And I might have Noah at a burning bush. Well, don't you take that as truth. That's just my brain getting its wires crossed. We know Moses wasn't near, Moses was at the burning bush, not Noah. But if you didn't know God's word, you'd leave here and say, you know what? Today the preacher preached about Noah and this burning bush. Ain't that a crazy story? So you let God's word be your primary source of information and your guide. And so when anybody comes to you and says anything that's contrary to this book, you know they're not telling the truth. So there'll be a great number of disasters and other tragedies. We're seeing that in our world today. There will be many false prophets that also rise up. There'll be many people that rise up and say, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that, that God promised to send to his children. And Jesus even says they'll be able to do some amazing things. Now, not as amazing as raising somebody from the dead, even the, especially themselves. There's only one that's ever done that. But Jesus says they'll be able to do some signs and wonders. They'll be able to do some things that make you want to believe them. But if it's contrary to God's word, don't, don't be fooled. Don't give in to the nonsense. Understand there's only one Jesus Christ, the promised Savior of the world. And he came nearly 2,000 years ago in the Middle East in a little town called Bethlehem. And he lived a sinless and perfect life and then laid that life down on the cross of Calvary. But then, three days later, was alive. And now sits at the right hand of the Father. We know that because God's Word tells us that. And when somebody comes and they tell you something contrary to Scripture, they're a false prophet. If anybody comes to you and says, hey, I'm the Messiah, don't believe them, because the Messiah has already come. And there have been many through the years that have proclaimed that. But again, it's closer today than it was yesterday and a hundred years ago, and a thousand years ago. So there'll be many false prophets. A third thing that Jesus said would have to happen would there would be great persecution of Christians. You know, people from the, that first century have died for their faith in Christ. Unfortunately, that continues... Even here in North America, it's coming that, you know, there's persecution. And we don't, we've not really experienced great persecution in the church, by and large. But certainly it's getting more difficult, even in America, to be a Christian. And hatred towards Christians is certainly growing, even in our own country. And to the north of us in Canada, you know, the pastor uh, being arrested for preaching the gospel uh, last week I read an, an article on the news about a man in England 
that was arrested for praying outside of an abortion clinic. Didn't say a word, wasn't praying out loud, he was praying silently and was arrested. And because the police came and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. And they arrested him for it. I pray that that day never comes to America. But I can tell you that unless there is a major turning back to the Lord very soon, that day is not far away. And that should concern us in some degree. We should pray that it's not, and we should do everything in our power and in our ability to make sure that doesn't happen. But Jesus said, listen, there's going to be persecution. Not only are there going to be these wars and famines and natural disasters and all these other crazy stuff and all these false teachers, but listen, brothers are going to fight brothers. Parents are going to fight their children. Children are going to fight their parents, even put them to death for the cause of Christ. Unfortunately, you know, that's happening all around our world. And we need to pray for those that are being persecuted for their faith. We need to pray for the church internationally in places. We, listen, we didn't have fear of soldiers coming and shooting us for coming into church this morning. Because we live in a land where it may be unfriendly to Christian, but we at least still have the right to gather together. There are places in this world that churches can't do that. They have to meet in secret. And an interesting thing, by the way, just chase the rabbit for a second. Those are the places where the church is growing the fastest and the most. Doesn't make sense. You'd think that it, with all that persecution, no one would, would want to be a Christian. And no one would want to come to faith in Christ. But the church there is fervently evangelizing and telling people about faith and people are coming to the Lord and getting saved and being baptized and regardless of whether it casts them out of their families or they lose their job or lose their standing in a community. So we see there's great persecution going on in our world. Which, guess what, tells us the day is closer than it was. But then the last thing that Jesus says that must take place, he says the gospel, the gospel will be preached to all lands. So that's verse 10. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. So Jesus said, listen, I'm going to come, I'm going to tarry. We wonder why is God taking so long? It's because he's loving and patient, Peter tells us. And he doesn't want anybody to spend eternity in hell. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to hear about his love and the gospel invitation to simply come as you are and receive the great gift of Jesus Christ. And I tell you that with the advent of the internet and Facebook and YouTube, that the gospel is going places it was never able to go before. And the Christian church is sending people, missionaries, to share the gospel in more and more places. But there are still tens of millions of people in this world, and 
there's lots and lots of people groups. These nations, that's what this word nations means. It's the word we get ethnic from. It's the Greek word ethnos, and it's the word that means people group, a tribe. And we, as especially as free will Baptists that believe the Bible and take it seriously, that's why we support missions. And that's why we give generously, and we'll have an opportunity to do that next week. And I hope you will give generously. That we would be able to send an offering to help the gospel be taken to more and more places so that more and more people will hear the gospel. That is our work. We are to share the gospel here at home, but we are also supposed to make sure that the gospel is proclaimed unto the uttermost parts of the world. And it's amazing. Young people are responding to the call to missions. And our church has adopted Hannah Goucher that came several months ago. I don't even remember how long ago, but it's been a good while ago. Uh, she's been raising money. She's a young lady that goes to church up south of Memphis at one of our Free Will Baptist churches. Uh, she works at the Christian school there. And the Lord called her for, to missions. And she went to Welch College and graduated. And now she's raising uh, people that will support her by prayer and by finances. And our church has, has pledged to support her at $100 a month. And we've been faithfully sending that. Why? Because we believe the word of God is true and we believe people need the Lord. And we believe that when God tells us to go, he means go. And we understand that some of us can't go to Japan, but we can give some money so that somebody like Hannah can go. And when Hannah goes, guess what? Because we've supported her and we've prayed for her and we've given money to her, we go with her. And when the first Japanese person hears the gospel and comes to Christ and is led to Christ by Hannah, every one of us will have a part in it. And when we support other missionaries, I'm thankful for all our missionaries all around the world, but the task is not complete yet. And there's more work to be done. Well, how will it be done? God's people must pray and God's people must give. So the reality is that when we have opportunity to support missions, we can't afford not to because God commands us to do it. Today, the gospel is being proclaimed in more places than it ever has, which, guess what, means that the day is closer than it ever was. And then the last truth, truth number three, is this, that God's people need to be watching and working. Three or four times, Jesus here in this chapter tells and orders, instructs his disciples, watch! And it's not just this passive looking, but rather it's a command to action. Be on guard, he says. 
Be ready. Be prepared. Understand that God has given you life and given you a task to do. There's a reason you're here. And there's a reason, there's some purpose that only you can accomplish in God's plan that God has given you specifically to do. Do it. Why do you do it? Because Jesus is coming back. And you don't want to be unprepared for when he comes back. And so he says, you be watching and working and waiting and praying. Listen, it would be very good with when the Lord does come back for us, whenever and however that may be, that we're ready to go. Because he's not going to take for an Oh, Lord, hold on just a sec. When he comes, we're gone. And we don't know the day or the hour. But we know we have an appointment to meet Jesus face to face. And so Jesus says, be waiting and watchful. So that when it's time for you to go, or for me to come, you're ready. Don't say, oh no, I see that he's coming. Let me hurry and scurry about to make things neat and pretty for him. And Oh man, I was supposed to make a cake. Let me get, listen, have it ready. And live ready for the Lord to come back. Know that he's coming back. And because you know he's coming back, you better be ready for him. Doing all you can to be what God has called you to be and doing all you can to do what God's called you to do. Knowing the day of his calling for you home is closer today than it's ever been. However, and again, there's lots and lots of different ideas about how this world's going to end and lots of different interpretations about what some of these uh, end times passages mean. But these three truths remain no matter what view. You, you have to understand that, listen, Jesus is coming back. And that there are some things that have to take place before he comes back. But then we have to, if, listen, if Jesus expected Peter and Andrew and James and John to be watching. You think he expects us to? Absolutely. Because the day is certainly sooner and closer today than it's ever been. The reality is he is coming again. And so you make sure you're ready. You make sure you're ready by having put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and knowing him as Lord and Savior. Because when he comes back for you, it's going to be too late. So you have it settled before then. But then you be busy watching and waiting and working, doing what God has called you and given you to do. And maybe that's why God doesn't reveal his entire plan to us, you know, all at once. Because if he did, he knew a lot of us would wait till the very end and hurry up and try to get it all done in two days. And that wouldn't work. So he gives us little pieces. All right, work on this little piece, and when we get that piece done, guess what? He gives us the next piece. 
And then he gives us the next piece, and then he gives us the next piece until what he has for us is finished, and we go on to home to be with him. So make sure things are settled, and make sure you're busy being about the Father's business. Make sure that your life and affairs are in such a place that you wouldn't be embarrassed for Jesus to come back. Make sure you're busy. Because, listen, you don't know. It, he says, listen, you don't know if it's going to be early in the morning when the cock crows. He said, you don't know if it's going to be at midday uh, when it's time for some coffee and some coffee cake or at lunchtime or at midnight. He said, listen, you don't know when the master's coming back, so just be ready. Have your bags packed and ready to go at a moment's notice. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, we thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for these three important truths. Lord, the reality is we know that the day of your return is sooner and closer than it's ever been. And Lord, we do look forward to you coming back. And this world seems in it's in such a mess. And Lord, sometimes it's overwhelming and we get discouraged because the task is so large. Lord, help us to remember that you are a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and you set this world in motion, and you keep it in motion. God, you've got it all under control. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to nail down and have our eternal destination settled. And then, Lord, help us to work for you to accomplish the things you've given us to do so that you could say to us, well done, good and faithful servant when our journey is done. Lord, we understand that the watching that you call us to do is not just sitting idly by like watching a football game or a basketball game on television. But rather, it's an active command that we're to be about helping usher in the kingdom of God. Lord, part of that is telling others right here at home about you. Part of it is supporting our missionaries at home and around the world that are planting churches and proclaiming the gospel in places that there is no gospel witness. Because, Lord, as you remind us, you are not willing that any should perish. But you want everybody to have an opportunity to come to faith. Lord, we thank you for that grace and your patience, your long-suffering with us. Lord, if there's one here today in the auditorium, maybe one watching on the internet, they've not settled that and they're not ready for that day, would you help them today, right now, to simply call out to you to acknowledge their sin and their need for salvation and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he paid their sin debt on the cross of Calvary when he shed his innocent blood, and then that they would confess him as Lord of their life. Lord, maybe there's some of your children here today, and we've, we've misunderstood watching, Lord. We've just been kind of sitting and watching things go by. But Lord, today, would you prick our hearts, help us to understand that this command to watch is not a passive word, 
but an active word. There's some things we need to do in order to pray, pray for your kingdom. Help us to live for you. Help us to have things ready. Help us to be busy about doing your will. Guide us. Help us to be your hands and feet, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this old hymn of invitation. And if God spoke to your heart and there's a decision you need to make, today would be a great day to make that decision. Let's sing together. And you've been to Jesus.